What's up, everybody? I'm Kenneth Dean, the Dean of Metal, and my co-host is Chris K. Welcome to another exciting episode of Debating Metal. And on this episode, we're going to try something new. It's called Favorites. Kenneth and I will choose a band with an extensive discography, and we're going to discuss our favorite song from each album. For our first favorites episode, we picked our favorite rock band from Down Under, ACDC. Here in America, ACDC has 16 albums, one EP, two box sets, and two soundtrack compilation albums. It's the first compilation album, Who Made Who, that qualifies for our purposes because it contained three new tracks at the time. And at the end of it all, we're going to give you our big four heavy metal hard rock albums of 1975, the year of ACDC's first release. So Chris, ACDC favorites. Basically, we're going to pick one song from every album and we're going to go over it and tell them tell the people why it's our favorite song basically that's it right yeah pretty much um you know some of these bands have these massive discographies like you know 16 albums so there's always that one song that kind of stands out to you and you may put the record on and listen from beginning to end but there's a lot of other times you may go man that i want to listen to that one song no, so. absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I can I could probably rattle off all the one songs off just off the top of my head. But it's an interesting concept, and the reason I say that is because I remember back when Motley Crue released um, Decade of Decadence, they had a stipulation amongst themselves that they were going to pick two songs from each of their albums that, that they were going to put on this quote-unquote greatest hits compilation. So it did not... It did not take into account hit singles uh, or what song was better than another or whatever. They just picked their two favorite songs from each album and uh, went with that. So, like, for instance, um, looks uh, not looks to uh, Shout Out to Devil. Okay, Shout Out to Devil had three songs that were pretty big you know, in terms of uh, the fan favorites. Too Young to Fall in Love, Looks at Kill, Shout the Devil, and then even then, some more were, you know, uh, were fan favorites beyond that. You know, they even released Helter Skelter as a single. So, thinking about that, you know, they only could choose two, and I, I don't even remember what two they picked, but that's a, it was an interesting concept. So, this is very similar in concept to that, where we just get to pick one. The other thing is... So when we do the our, our greatest hits episodes, we're we're coming to a consensus, right? And and sometimes we like certain songs off an album that are not the most popular. Sometimes we like the really deep cuts, and so this is an opportunity to kind of talk about those particular songs too. Exactly, you know, and it's it's you know if we choose to if we choose a deep cut because in some cases. It, we might not choose a deep cut. It might be the most popular song on the album. Yeah, for sure. And to follow up uh, real quick with that Molly Crew analogy I was making, the, what they released on Decade of Decadence was Shout at the Devil and Looks That Kill. So their biggest single at the time, which was Too Young to Fall in Love, did not make their greatest hits album, which was Decade of Decadence. That was released in 1991. So that tells you something, you know, in terms of how they, you know, what they were picking for their favorite songs. All right. But we're talking about ACDC today. So um, 
since this was your brainchild, why don't you go ahead and start first, and then we'll go run down the songs. Or, or you want to explain first before you start how we're going to do this. Yeah, so basically we're going to kind of trade off back and forth and, and talk about each album in order. It's a little odd with ACDC because we are going with the international releases, and because the international releases went a little bit out of order, say, for instance, Dirty Deeds Done Cheap, uh, Done Dirt Cheap, I always say done cheap for some reason, but uh, Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap came out after Bon Scott had passed away around the same time as for those about to rock. And Jailbreak is kind of an odd release, too. It came out in 1984, uh, but it's, you know, 74 Jailbreak as in they recorded those songs in 1974. And some of those were from the original release of High Voltage, uh, whereas that, that material was split between TNT and High Voltage, etc. But we're going to go with the U.S. releases, and we're going to actually start with Jailbreak uh, because it was 74 songs. So from Jailbreak, my favorite song, and I, re I really had to think about this because they, I actually like a lot of the material that's on Jailbreak, but I really thought about it, and my favorite is definitely the, the title track, Jailbreak. Um, I'm a big fan of that video. Uh, I remember watching it when I got the um, Family Jewels collection, and I thought that was just so cool. Um, one thing I really enjoyed about Bond was that he could tell a story with his lyrics, and I think that's something that didn't really carry over as much with with Brian. They would usually focus on one kind of thing with Brian. And, and sometimes that changed. I'm, I'm not saying it's it's always the rule. Um, but definitely there was more st storytelling when Bond was the singer. And it, it didn't have to be a super complex story, but it painted a picture. You know, like you're, you're listening to this this protagonist escaping from jail and how he doesn't want to live his life in 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 that situation for for the rest of his life and uh it's it's a cool story you know it's just fun to sing along to and uh it's just for me that's that's the one i always go to now jailbreak 74 jailbreak you know coming out in 1984 it was weird because it you know look people aren't stupid and and uh especially uh, american music consumers they knew that those songs were already available. They knew that they were, I mean, I would say the, 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 the music connoisseur, the music buyer, um, a regular music buyer knew that those songs were already available. So they probably got them out of there, you know, out of an import bin in some record store back in the day. Um, but to have it finally released in America was, was pretty cool because the average listener didn't have that stuff didn't know that it was already out. So it was a very confusing time for ACDC because they have a singer that passed away in Bon Scott. They re they they you know, they released Back in Black and then shortly thereafter, you know, they're getting ready to release for those about to rock and then they uh, the American record company says, "You know what? We're going to go ahead and release Dirty Deeds Under Cheap now in the United States." And it's <laughs> like you, you basically killed your own momentum on another album. And then that album comes out for those about to rock. Then another album comes out, flick of the switch, and they say, Oh, by the way, we're gonna throw in this little EP in between and from older songs again from Bon Scott. So it, it was a really weird time that early eighties early to mid eighties for ACDC. Shit was going left and right for them in terms of, you know, what songs were coming out, when and this, that and the other thing. But uh, this album, you know, five songs, seventy four jailbreak EP, five songs 
four of which were written by the band. So one was a cover song, um, which is Baby, Please Don't Go. Looking at all the songs and, 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 and basically reviewing everything, I, I had to go just like you and pick the title track, Jailbreak, um, because it's just such a unique song compared to the other stuff. It wasn't, you know, true blues. It, it, it was a really cool story. It, there's so many different things about it that were really neat. Uh, the way they recorded it, the, the way the guitars are, the way they try to make the guitars make certain sounds, like a, like a machine gun and stuff like that. I thought that song was really cool. The fact that they had a video accompanying it was even cooler. Um, although probably nobody saw that video until MTV came around, and even then, probably not much since you know, because that wasn't like a regular video on MTV or anything. Yeah, I mean, it, it probably aired in different regions than what we saw, and I didn't see it until uh, Family Jewels came out. So, oh wow, okay, cool. Yeah, I had seen it a few times on it. I mean, to, to get it on MTV, it was like, you know, maybe Headbangers Ball once a month or every couple months or whatever. You would you would say, oh, cool, they played this song, you know. But um, you know, because they had other songs during in in the eighties that they were trying to play and promote, you know, especially with um, when uh, Blow Up Your Video came out, in, you know, in eighty eight. That was the height of of. Uh, headbangers ball so that's that song you know the, that's the way i want to rock and roll and and um i forgot what the other single was on that those songs were were really popular and they were playing that video all the time or those videos but anyway um yeah i i, I agree with you jailbreak on that on that album all right so uh moving on to the second one which would be uh high voltage technically their first u.s release uh what did you have as your pick all right on high voltage that, that was a unique one because you were talking about the international or the american release whichever way you want to look at it because there is the australian and then there's the international um i'm gonna go with um tnt on that one for me um it was very similar to jailbreak a very unique kind of song uh if you really really break down and listen to it, it doesn't have a regular drum beat and that's one of the cool things about that song i mean it does have a drum beat but at the same time it's it's not your normal kind of you know drum pattern if you want to put it that way and so there's a lot of cool things about that song that i like you know and um you know, then at the end, it just goes into this like hysteria type of thing where every, you know, the whole band is just jamming on their instruments. I mean, there's a lot of songs to choose from on that album. And, you know, I, I could have gone a couple of different ways. I mean, the big song on that album was it's, it's a long way to the top. Rock and Roll Singer is a good song. The Jack, I like. I like Live Wire. High Voltage is okay. But for me, it definitely was TNT. What's your pick? Well, it's, it's two for two. Um, so TNT is my pick. Uh, to me, it's like it's just badass from beginning to end. You know, it's it's this, you know, I guess it's Bond Scott or the protagonist of the song just talking about how badass they are. <laughs> and it's, it's cool. And like you said, it gets very frantic at the end, this like chaos, almost like an explosion of TNT at the end. Mm -hmm. It's, it's super catchy. It makes you just feel like you want to go to a bar fight. Um, 
it's just to me that's the standout track on the album yeah no definitely uh, definitely a standout track i mean th- th- this is a really really good album i mean acdc started their career off in the in the united states with a really really good album i mean it's not like they, it wasn't their choice i mean basically in australia they come out with tnt first no excuse me they came out with high voltage first same title but it had a whole slew of different songs half of which showed up on 74 jailbreak later and half of which was included on the original high voltage in the united states and then they released tnt which has a lot of the songs that are on high voltage in the United States. It's just a really weird thing. I mean, obviously the Beatles did that shit and, and uh, Rolling Stones did things like that in, in England, but it just mixing up songs here and there and putting them all over different albums, all over the country, all over the world. It's just a pain in the ass, really, if you think about it, but you know, not my problem. <laughs> well, I mean, now it's much more accessible, but I remember in the 2000s, I on my iPod, my second generation iPod, I uh, I had all of the Australian releases. I had compiled them from other stuff, from Bonfire, uh, from 74 Jailbreak, etc. Because I wanted the I wanted every song, you know. I didn't want the the alternate releases. I wanted him them how the bands originally intended. And so that's kind of in my head, that's that's the canon of like what ACDC's albums are. And I know we talk about them in the international release format n- now, but for the longest time, I thought of each album as you know my my version of High Voltage is the Australian version. So okay, I mean, that's cool. It's a little different. I mean, what I did when I had my iPod and you could see the little album covers, I took high voltage the international release but i put the australian cover on it just to just to be different Mm. you know (laughs) (laughs) sit like that all right so we're going to dirty deeds under cheap what do you got for your pick so i'm going with the title track um once again this is one where you know bond puts you in the role of the narrator of the song you know this time it's a hitman and uh you know it's just it's just one of those those tracks that just like you're listening to what this guy can do and it's he's just another badass right has a unique sound it's pretty simple but it's really memorable the the riff just fits it perfectly and it's you know the vocal choices the you know the kind of chanting i i you know and then the um you know the way that he says "dirty deeds done dirt cheap," the scream at the end, like all everything is just—it's just badass again. <laughs> so, you know what's weird about "dirty deeds done dirt cheap" is so. First of all, Americans don't get exposed to it till much later on, right? They get the record version, and the version that they get on their record is is slightly different than the original Australian release. Then the CD uh, world happens and they get another shorter version on the CD, which I don't get that, but it's like they kept messing with the times and they, there was like little edits here and there throughout 
And so there's like four different versions floating around this world of like the originals, like over four minutes, then they cut it down to three minutes. Yeah. It's really weird. You know, three and a half. Yeah. They're not remixes either. They're just blown straight, full blown edits. Sort of like what they did. Like, um, I don't know if you recall this, but like quiet riots come on, feel the noise. They cut out like half the solo. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, it's like, yeah, what, well, why, you know, was the song really that much longer that you had to cut that out? But anyway, they did stuff like that, and so "Dirty Deeds." Um, it's uh, it's one of those songs that just has like four different versions floating around. So what I did was when I finally got the Australian release, that's the one I use as my full version. Basically, when I put it on, when I have it on my uh, my phone or my iPod or whatever you want to call it now. You're like, yes, 20, 20 extra, extra seconds. seconds. How many more bits is that off my hard drive? <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, but Dirty Deeds is not my choice. My choice okay. off of Dirty Deeds is another very cool story, Big Balls. You, If you want to talk about <laughs> Double Entendre, I mean, that song is the epitome of, you know, talking on one side of your mouth and meaning something else with the other because that is absolutely one of the coolest songs but it's almost you almost feel ashamed to play it in front of your parents <laughs> you know although they never say anything technically wrong in the album there's no foul language nothing like that but you know the reference to big balls we all know you know hey you know my balls but they're talking about a gala, a dance, or so you think. I think it's a really cool song. So a dance is what it's supposed to be about, but we all know the truth. I mean, Bond was the master of double and triple entendre. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that sometimes it was a little less subtle than others. Right? <laughs> yeah. The, the funny thing about this one is like, it's, it's, less subtle but yet at the same time when you think about it like it all makes sense to be what they say it is you know and it's just so it's such a that just the lyrics alone make this song so cool you know but anyhow we move on to let there be rock now my choice for let there be rock hmm this is a really good album if I'm not mistaken, this is my second ACDC album that I ever owned. And I think except for one song, and even that is questionable, I like all eight songs on this album. Um, but I have to go with the title track. If for nothing else, I go with the title track because of the video. Because it's just so cool. You know, Bond's a preacher, and he's preaching the gospel of rock and roll and i it's just so fucking cool (laughs) so i also picked the title track um you're right this is a really good album um with the exception of crab city and blue which i've said before i i think sucks but that's the international Um, oh excuse me that's the australian version so that's the australian national american you know it's not there problem child yes again um so yeah, again well but you know, that's the first time americans see problem child they don't see the second problem True. child until the album that came out before it 10 years later <laughs> you know that's what it doesn't make any sense seven seven years later yeah. right so um you know so there's this 
frantic retelling of the origins of rock as it descended down from the heavens, you know, which is telling that metal true or rock truly is the music of the gods. That's to me, that's the story of let there be rock. Right. So, you know, you just, it's one of those that like, just try not to bang your head to that song. With that, with that drum beat, that frantic drum beat, with poor Phil Rudd, you know, <laughs> having having to keep that pace the entire song, and you know, it's just like you said, the music video just cements the greatness of that that track. Oh yeah, and the funny thing you say, poor poor Phil Rudd, you know, all the drummers that have played in ACDC have had to play that song, and one of the things I have a, if I'm not mistaken, it's. I don't know if it's 10 minutes or 11 minutes. There's an 11 minute version that came out on the B side of one of the singles from, I don't know if it was Put the Finger on You or uh, Let's Get It Up from For Those About to Rock. But the B side was a live track. um, And Let There Be Rock was like 10, 11 minutes long. They released that version in an edited format on um, Backtracks, the box set. Mm -hmm. And when you think about it, I mean, it's 11 straight minutes of, of. Whichever drummer, Phil Rudd, you know, <laughs> Simon <laughs> Wright. <laughs> yeah, he's just, you know, <laughs> bass, you know, bass, snare, bass, snare, bass, snare. It's not like, it's not even like double, you know, like bass, bass, snare. It's just bass, snare, bass, snare. And they're going at um, the hi-hat at, at he, the originally, uh, uh, I was listening to Chris Slade and he was talking like Angus wanted it to be like 16th notes. And he's like, yeah, I'm doing this in eighths. Sorry. <laughs> you know, um, but yeah, I mean, that's a crazy song awesome song that that's why i picked it now the funny thing is there's a lot of songs to choose from in it because there's hell ain't a bad place to be a whole lot of rosies on that album i mean that's a that, i know that was i almost picked hell a lot of rosie yeah and, and like for me hell ain't a bad place to be was probably the, the the close second for me you know bad boy boogies on that one that's the one that they used to use to play to do his striptease with on stage Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's a there's a lot of good songs on this album. All right, so we're up to power powerage. What do you got? So I picked, and this was a tough one because there's a few really good songs on this album. This is another one that I think is kind of underrated, and I'm a big fan of this album. Um, but I had to go with Riff Raff. You know, it's one of those really high energy tracks from beginning to end. Um, you know, it's it. I think it at the time kind of picks up the pace from what a lot of their stuff was. I mean, we just talked about let there be rock, which had super frantic pace. Um, but it's one of those tracks that, um, you know, it's kind of a bluesy boogie. And I always like those from, from ACDC, you know, when they have that kind of like heavy movement to them. Um, and it just has a great solo. So that was my pick. So for the longest time, Power Age was my least favorite ACDC album. I, it, yeah, up until the, like the latter Brian Johnson years, Power Age was was definitely my least favorite uh, ACDC album. It it to this day it's still my least favorite Bon Scott album, and it was it was really weird because I listened to all these musicians that I I, I you know I. I get inspired by and i and i read these interviews and every one of them says oh yeah i know power is my favorite album power is my favorite album and i'm like why let there be rock <laughs> yeah. you know but i said let there be rock is so much better 
you know, Dirty Deeds is so much better, or, or in my opinion, you know, mm-hmm. um, I, it was really for me. It was really hard. Like like Highway to Hell to me is for, for in my opinion the best Bon Scott album, but you know, other people really really like Power Age. To me, there was just so there was too many weak songs on Power Age for me to sit there and say, oh, this is the better album. Um, but you know. Everyone has their opinion, you know. That being said, over the years, I've begun to appreciate it more. Songs like Rock and Roll Damnation, Riff Raff, you know, um, Can I Sit Next to You, Girl? Uh, was it a... What? No, can, no, no, not Can I Sit Next to You, Girl. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, uh, what's, this, what's that one track that I was thinking about at the same time? What's next to the moon? Yeah, <laughs> you know that. I knew there was something about next to something, uh, you know. But then you get you got cool little smooth songs like "Gone Shooting." You know, it 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 became a, a more appreciated album for me over the years. But still, it takes a lot for me to really push that album up. However, there is one song on there. That I'm going to put it this way: my favorite Bon Scott song, "Sin City," and that's my choice for Power Age. I love that song. I love, love, love that song. Again, another really cool storytelling song. You know, they're 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 basically describing everything about Las Vegas, and it's a really cool song. I love the bass line on it. You know, it just. And then when I heard it in concert from the band, you know, it was just like, oh yes, this is so great. I, I that's one of the few songs that I really, really look forward to hearing. And there've been a couple times I've seen ACDC where I haven't played it, but um, I think the last time I saw them, they did play it. I can't remember, but that's my favorite song off that album. I mean, I that was the one that I really struggled with, like between Riff Raff and Sid City. I went back and forth. Yeah, Riff Raff um, has, has risen up the ranks for me. Um, because it's so cool. Yeah, but I mean, I I love that album. I mean, Rock and Roll Damnation for me uh, could easily be a top pick as well. Um, I love Damnation. I mean, sorry, I, I love Down Payment Blues, and Cold Hearted Man. I mean, that that album as a whole to me is is great from beginning to end. Uh, it really surprises me that you don't like it as much, but I think you know over time sometimes things just take a while to set in. So. <clears throat> Yeah. So moving on to the last Bon Scott album. Um, Highway to Hell came out in 1979. And that is, like I said, I, like I just mentioned, that is my favorite Bon Scott album. It was um, one of the earlier albums that I had purchased from ACDC. And I could say to this day, the first CD that I bought, I bought a group of four. I'll always remember that. It was... Guns N' Roses Lies, which had just come out, Queen's Rikes, um, the first album, the, the their first album, The Warning, and ACDC's Back in Black and Highway to Hell. So those were my first four CDs. I'll always remember that. But Highway to Hell, I mean, it's got great songs, and Highway to Hell is such a fantastic song itself. But that's not the song I chose. The song that I chose for me is Touch Too Much. I, I really, really, really enjoy the sultriness of the way Bond sings this song. The way the band is not playing super hard. 
you know, they're, 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 they've got this softness to this song. They're not, they're not, they're not pushing the boundaries. They're just, they're just in a pocket that makes this song so cool. And that's why I like it. So this is another one that we actually have in common. Um, Touch Too Much is by far my favorite song on the album. I love it from top to bottom. Uh, to me, this is Bond's magnum opus lyrically. Uh, the entire album took Bond's lyrics to the next level, to be honest. This was this was like really what should have broken them to the degree like that just you know made them world uh, national or, or international superstars. Unfortunately, you know, Bond would pass away not long afterward. Um, but this was one like the, the lyrics are just so clever, you know, and it's, it's, you're right. Like there is a different element also to the way that it's played. It's a little softer. It's a little more, um, what's the, what's the term like subdued in a way? Yes. But, but it, it, but when it hits, it hits hard. So, like, it has a lot of dynamic range to it, and that's what I really love about this. But, but again, Bond's lyrics are just so strong in this particular track. That, that line, uh, you know, she had a face like an angel, smiling with sin, the body of Venus with arms. I just, like, when I first heard that, I was like, damn. That is that is badass. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, Bond had a great way with words. Uh, I mean, he was he was awesome at, at lyrics, and you could see the definitive change when Brian Johnson took over. And I'm not saying that Brian didn't know how to write lyrics, but 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 they did take the lyric book away from him. <laughs> they took the, yeah, they took the ability to for him to write lyrics away. So there's a, you know, uh, and we kind of hinted at this at, at the previous ACDC episodes that we've done, but there's a controversy about a uh there's a controversy about Bond's lyric book, his poetry book, um and what happened to the book after he passed away. And a lot of people are saying and there's a conspiracy out there. A lot of people say that all the words to the album Back in Black, uh, except for one or two songs possibly, specifically Back in Black, um, are written or the words are written by um, Bon Scott and that Brian Johnson had nothing to do with it. Um, and, and if you think about it, after Back in Black, despite how awesome the album is, after Back in Black, every other album after that comes nowhere close to the kind of subtlety that Bon Scott could sing with in, in the double entendre lyrics. I mean, You Shook Me All Night Long. The, the lyrics to that are definitively double entendre, and that's just not something that Brian Johnson was ever good at. You know, so it's kind of weird how that album has such you know such lyrics that supposedly are not bonds you know yeah so but we're going to talk about that album in a minute um i i like uh your choice because it's the same as my choice so <laughs> touch touch too much highway to hell um you're up for back in black all right so back in black obviously we we just spoke about the, that that Highway to Hell was the last Bon Scott album. They bring in Brian Johnson and not 
tremendously longer. What it's about six months after. Uh, Not even. I mean, he passed away in February. I think the album came out in May or or June or July. So it was, yeah, with less than, I mean, he was in the band uh, like um, two months, less than two months later, and then they recorded the album. Yeah. So uh, Back in Black is absolutely amazing album from top to bottom. Um, I like every song on the album. I know you're not a big fan of uh, Let Me Put My Love Into You, but... um, I think, you know, just pretty much from beginning to end, that that album's near perfect. Um, but my particular favorite is "Shoot to Thrill." Um, you know, it's just a really killer track. The pacing and the build-up are just so benefit. Like they they just lead right into that main riff, right? Um, man, it's it's hard to nail down exactly why. You know, the lyrics on this album like like you said they're they're still like kind of in between what would come later with ryan and where bond's lyrics were um they're really solid on this album but i think this one like even though it's kind of like thinly veiled what it's talking about what i what i also like about shoot to thrill is that it kind of references other stuff like that that bond would have in previous songs you know like um you know basically his his use of firearms and as a concept in in songs so it it it, it's like a nice little tribute to bond in a way um you know for a song of that era to not have a single or a music video but get airplay to the degree it did uh you know it's a great track shoot to thrill is by far my favorite ACDC song. Those first chords hit, and I am cranking it up as loud as I can go. And and all the neighbors get to hear along with me. I love that song. Uh, just the, the lyrics are cool. The chorus is cool. Get it down to the breakdown and, and just the way how clean that album was recorded. I mean, ACDC, all their albums are, are, have been recorded really clean at that point. But it's just the perfect bass drum, perfect snare snap. I mean, the guitars are crystal clear. It's amazing how awesome that album sounds. And listening to Shoot the Thrill at max volume, it is just amazing. I love that song. Love, 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 love that song. So, that's my song choice. <laughs> I, I was about to ask you. So, is that your pick? That's my pick. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, <laughs> for those about to rock, that would have been up. really funny though if you're like, "So, my pick is Hell's Bells." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Although, that, although that's up there. <laughs> but no, um, it's shoot to throw. All right. So, for those about to rock comes out a year later and you know touching on what we were just talking about about lyrics and and bon scott and brian johnson it it is a complete like 180 when it comes to the kind of style of lyric writing um that uh acdc was known for at that point so it things changed a little bit but the the really cool thing about it is it's still a very 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 good album and for me 
Um, it had a lot of good songs that I liked. I mean, I liked the, the song Let's Get It Up. I like Put the Finger in You or, or pick, excuse me, Put the Finger on You. All right. You know, Inject the Venom, Evil Walks, that was a really cool song, COD. I mean, it had a really good bunch of tracks on this on this album but for me ultimately you how can you skip by the title track and you know realizing that that's the song that ends every single acdc show for those about to rock we salute you is is to me the best song in the album it's my favorite you know you know just so you know listeners we did not talk about this at all beforehand the all of the 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 you know matching choices were pure coincidence, um, but this <laughs> this is another one. Um, so the biggest thing is that this track is just super iconic, and I'm not one of those guys that really like songs about rock and roll. You know, if you if you you know have a song. <laughs> like the, I, I want to say, ACDC has about forty-seven songs that have rock and roll in the title. That might be pretty close to accurate, actually. <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing: this is not necessarily about rock and roll. This is about the fans, right? This is about for those about to rock. You know, this is for the the people, the people that love rock and roll, right? And and at the stage show that goes wrong with a uh, uh, wrong. And the stage show that goes along with it, you know, the fact that they fired a cannon, you know, they end the show with it. Like there's, can you really not understand why Brian went deaf? You know, like, so this, this is an iconic track. It's hard not to pick it off this album. You know, as, as much as I do like this one as a whole, like I'm not as big of a fan as the Brian Johnson era, even though I really like Brian. I think the songs were stronger earlier on in their career, but I think this one is also like just a really solid album. Um, but I, I couldn't help but choose this one. Oh, I mean, it's it's absolutely kind of you. Ha- you almost had no choice because of the everything around it. So yeah, I get that. I get that. All right, you're up next. All right, so. Um, gonna go into flick of the switch flick of the switch to me is still a pretty good album um i had to go with the last track on the album brain shake uh, so i tend to like acdc's boogie pace tracks it's kind of what i said earlier um this one is no exception i you know for me this one almost made my list of greatest hits uh, back when we did our greatest hits episode, but it just kind of got narrowly edged out by a couple other songs. So um, I'm a big fan of this one. I think it's a, a pr- like I said, a pretty good album overall. Guns for Hire is pretty good. Flick of the Switch, the actual title track, um, but Brain Shake just does it for me more. I think. So Flick of the Switch ends the era of of. Um Robert John Mutt Lang, um, he, he did not produce this album. He had produced the previous three. Um, it also is, the, this end, This is the last album that had the, the covers with the single line drawings outlining something on the, the cover. Although, uh, and I say that because like ACDC's 
logo on Back in Black was outlined with a, with a gray line. Same thing with the with the logo on For Those About to Rock. And then in this one, they, they had a stencil drawing of Angus Young. And again, the logo was was a little line. Um, and it was also the, you know, like, like Back in Black was black. Uh, For Those About to Rock was gold with a little thing on the front. The, the the cannon and then this one was white mm-hmm. um so it was there was not a lot of creativity when it comes to their album covers for these three albums um but that was the end of the trilogy in that regards um the, the first song i heard off this album was flick of the switch the title track and much to my surprise there was some big hairy dude playing drums <laughs> i'm like who's that guy um, and that was Simon Wright, who had taken over for Phil Rudd. Who uh, I don't, I don't remember. I think Phil quit the band at that point. I don't remember exactly what happened, but Phil was no longer the drummer. Simon Wright was, although Phil recorded the album. We got to remember that. So Phil likes to do that. He records the album, then disappears. <laughs> <laughs> so he's done that a few times, <laughs> not always by his own volition. Anyhow. <laughs> um, but that's not my favorite track on this album. I thought this album was pretty strong at the time. And when you realize how much stronger the other albums are, you realize, well, it's got some weak songs. But for me, the the, the best song, on, um, in my opinion, my favorite track on this album is Guns For Hire. It's so catchy. I love the whole intro with the, you know, the guitar. Ticket-it. And it goes into that little that that little uh, rhythm pattern, and then the drums pop in. I mean, I love that song. That song's awesome. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was up there for me for sure. But so I think in this era, I get more into the deep cuts. Um, so we'll see when you know as we go or talk about this one. But uh, so I, I think from this point forward, there's going to be not as much. Uh, matching songs. There might be a one or two, and the reason being is because the the the, the albums get uh, a little wonky, <laughs> if you want to put it that way. <laughs> so some of the albums that are not that good are probably you know you know you're gonna go with the the the, the big single off that or whatever. Um, but again, you 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 are into deep tracks like I am, so it, it all depends. Um, all right, so moving on to the next album. That would be Fly on the Wall. And that would be the first tour, the Fly on the Wall tour, that I saw ACDC in concert. That was back in 1985. Yes, 85. You hear that right. <laughs> so that's, uh, what, 38 years ago now? No. No. No, 30, <laughs> 30, 37 years ago. Don't make me older than I am. Well, it's 37. It's one year. Sorry. No. <laughs> Yes. Oh, yeah, 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 okay. Yes, because <laughs> I graduated in 87. <laughs> oh, dear Lord. Okay. <laughs> All right, so I think I think if if we don't if we have similar song on this one, then you know, this out this this whole show is rigged. <laughs> Flying the wall. Um, ACDC did something different with this one. I mean, the recording technique is different. Uh, it just sounds so different it, it, to to a a point it's almost like the drums are very bombastic sounding not as bombastic as kisses creatures of the night but similar in bombasticness um 
it was very different from what people were used to with ACDC because ACDC has always been real clean. I mentioned that before. Um, so this was a strange one. Plus, um, for this one with the, the era of videos, they literally released like four or five videos for this album all telling a similar story or, or, or all linked together. And then they released a, a video album on VHS at the time as well. So for me, this album, Flying the Wall, um, probably, I would say the, probably the first album, I, maybe Flick the Switch, I can't remember uh, if I would, yeah, I was already into ACDC at that point, so Flick the Switch was the first album to come out that I, that uh, was new once I was liking ACDC, so this was the second one, um, but I think I got this one before Flick the Switch. I'm going to go with, for me, there was a couple of songs I like this, but for me, I'm going with Sink to Pink. I think it just was just so, so catchy uh, in that regards. So that's my choice. What's yours? So that was one that I thought of, but for me, it's Shake Your Foundations. Um, I think that was the first song that I heard off of this album. And I I mean, I, I think it's great. You know, um, Hold on. What was I going to say? <clears throat> so, overall, like you said, the the sound of the album is is a bit different, right? It it sounds a little um, dirtier. Uh, the recording of of Brian's vocals sounds a little bit echoey, like he joined a a um, black metal band, um, <laughs> but still sang like <laughs> Brian Johnson. Um, you know it's it's a little odd um and and to me simon right like you said that the drums are more bombastic right they're they're a little heavier per se they're not as as clean sounding simon right to me he did his job and he did it well he's a great drummer but i don't feel like he fits acdc sound anywhere like phil does right so it, to me this is a rough album it's not it's not one of my favorites um but it does have a couple tracks that i really do like um specifically shake your foundations and it, one thing though is that i like the version that's on who made who a lot better has much oh. be, had much better mixing did they remix it? i didn't even realize that yeah the vocals are completely remixed Oh, they're I not. Should, they're uh, not as uh, muffled. Sounding. Maybe I should. I, I should put that version on my on my iPod or iPhone. I, I I didn't realize that. You know, it's like I don't know why. It's it's very interesting that bands and not a lot of them, but a few bands. You know, Kiss in particular. Um, when they released compilation albums, they decided to remix the songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done that on every single up until. The, the the 90s i guess you could say or no uh, yeah uh, every single like they on double platinum they remixed all the songs on um Thra- smashes thrashes and hits they re- they remixed all the songs i mean they they really destroyed the way um i love it loud sounded on there yeah you know they just flattened it all out so it took away the bombasticness but so the logic behind remixing it for who made who though was that it's a, it's a soundtrack and they wanted everything to kind of sound uh homogenous 
on that album, right? Every, everything to sound kind of this, like it came from the same album. So I don't think it is necessary, but I'm glad they remixed a couple of the songs because they do sound better on the Who Made Who version. Okay, so, well, that takes us to Who Made Who, which we were just talking about. Um, so I I love the the movie that this was this was made for maximum overdrive it's not a good movie but it's a lot of fun and i watched it when i was a little kid and i thought it was great so <laughs> um if you've never seen it it does have an entire acdc soundtrack along with it um and the lead off single for that which like you said there was only three uh songs that were unique for this album so in some essence, you can kind of think of it as an EP, uh, even though obviously it's a full album, but it's made up of other songs from the preceding albums. Um, mine is Who Made Who. I just love that song. Uh, it's It's got such a really cool riff. Um, I think like if you were to put it up against pretty much anything from Blow Up Your Video or Fly on the Wall, even Flick of the Switch, I think this track beats a lot of that stuff i i'm just a big fan of this this particular song it's it's always kind of in my my top stuff for acdc so you know for for me you know this album you know i remember when the when the movie came out when the album came out um i, I, I don't even i saw parts of the movie i'm like yeah this is trash um so <laughs> it is not but to- i like it <laughs> <laughs> I, I couldn't. I don't think I could sit through it at the time. Um, the, this album was not considered. Uh, it was considered a compilation soundtrack album, but it was not considered a greatest hits uh, because it wasn't. Mm-hmm. Although some of their biggest hits are on here, um, it's not necessarily a greatest hits. The three new tracks, as you mentioned, um, two of them are instrumentals, and um, DT, I believe it is, is not that bad in terms of what it is it, it it's a song to me that fits in a movie and it's meant more for like almost background music for, for a scene of of some sort of action of some sort like that but the song itself doesn't go anywhere so it, it's kind of like specifically meant for a soundtrack um chase the ace i i don't think i've listened to that in ages so, um, who made who was your obvious choice. It was a, it was a big, big hit for them when this album came out. So, um, there's, it's not like I'm going to sit there and say, oh, no, DT has definitely got this one. No, it does. <laughs> who made who is, is the, uh, is the, the right answer on this one. Although if we wanted to, we could have picked any song from this album. <laughs> I mean, we could have, but right. You know, like that, that's the way to slide in back in black or something like that. Not, or no, not back in black. Hell's bells. <laughs> so. But anyway, I who made who is the obvious answer here. Absolutely. All right, so that brings us to blow up your video. And this is where ACDC's career starts to get a little wonky. <laughs> um, I mean, when you think about it, it, like, well, you you weren't old enough to kind of experience this at the time. But ACDC was going through um, some issues in terms of their career. Um you know, all the album sales had begun to decline. Um, they had put a ton of effort, a ton of of money into um, the Fly on the Wall album tour and, and promotion and all that, and it just did not do anything. So they they kind of came back with 
um, Who Made Who, but that was just a, a single, essentially, you know, off of that soundtrack. Then they released Blow Up Your Video. And of course, you know, the album title references what's going on at that time of, of in the world. You know, video was a big thing. That was a huge thing with MTV still at the time playing videos. They had not gone to reality shows yet. Um, oh, God. And so, excuse me. I said, oh, God. <laughs> so then, you know, but. But the thing was, is that they, they released two songs off of the album and they, you know, they released Heat Seeker and then they released That's the Way I Want to Rock and Roll. To me, those are the two best songs in the album. After that, to me, this album just drops dramatically. There are a couple of songs that maybe can be considered, you know, better than your average song, but they still didn't reach the to me, the heights of Heat Seeker, and that's the way I want to rock and roll. So, for me, the album was was d- down to those two songs, um, and I picked "That's the Way I Want to Rock and Roll" as my favorite song off the album. All right. Um, I mean, I do like that song, but it's not my pick. Um, so for me, it is one of the deep tracks that I mentioned earlier. Um, it's a track called Two's Up." And I believe I mentioned it before when we talked about our worst of first for ACDC. Um, but for me, it, like, it's all about that this song is very different than a lot of the other stuff they had. It has a little bit darker tone. It's a little bit unfamiliar chord progression for what they're they're used to. Um, it really sets the song apart from a lot of the other stuff that's on the album. And to me, I think it's a hidden gem in their catalog. Uh you're right for the most part blow up your video is not one of the best albums by any means but it does have some some great stuff on it um but i think two's up is one that gets missed by a lot of people and um you know i like it when acdc kind of pushes themselves outside of that comfort zone so it's it's a really cool song I mean, this was a make or break time for ACDC. And then really at this point, they were not making it. Um, the album sales basically tanked on this and the tour was not that successful. So between, you know, this album coming out in 1988, they took some time off um, to come out with the next album. And so we'll talk about that because that one did change the game for ACDC. So why don't you go ahead and talk about it. All right, well, that would be The Razor's Edge in 1990. So a couple years later, um, this song, I'm sorry, this album starts off, though, so just perfectly. Um, Thunderstruck, which is my pick, is one of those songs that I just never get tired of. You know, there's a lot of tracks that you hear time after time after time again, uh, like your Crazy Train or Ender Sandman or, you know, um, Symphony of Destruction. Some of these songs where I just go, yeah, I love the song, but I don't need to hear it all the time, right? But Thunderstruck is one of those that the riff, I think, is just so interesting. You know, it's it, I just don't get tired of it. Um, it, it has this level of, of catchiness uh you know that just it clicks with me for some reason it's just up dancing kind of up and down the scale you know it's that fist pumping chorus uh, and also you know acdc came to texas and and they had some fun so 
Yeah, it's it's an awesome song. I just love it. You know, Thunderstruck is 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 one of those songs where it's like it's an obvious choice, right? But for me, it's a little bit different. Um, I went deep track, and maybe not so deep. I went kind of like in the middle. Um, I really do like Thunderstruck, and and uh, I enjoy every time I hear that song. But I I went a little bit farther, a little bit past that. Um, I mean, the album itself had some good tracks. You know, it had "Money Talks," "The Razor's Edge," "Are You Ready?" I mean, "Are You Ready?" was a big a big song in in uh, the WWE. Now it is, yeah, for a while. No, it's the theme song for SmackDown right now. Oh, it is because yeah. it was at one point a long time ago. It was it was a big song with them, and I guess it's back again. Um, you know, so I went with Fiery Guns, which was the second song on the album. Um, I just love the pace. I mean, it's very similarly paced to um, Let There Be Rock. Uh, and not that it's the same type of song or anything like that, but the pacing of the song and, and the way that the drums are played. Um, but I just, I just, I like, I mean, these faster songs always kind of entice me. And uh, this particular one, you know, you get Thunderstruck, you, you build up, you know, and then you get Fire Your Guns and you just go all guns blazing, you know, to, uh, to you know, um, to, what's the, what's the phrase called? To coin a pun. You know, so you go all guns blazing to, to coin a pun and then you come out with Money Talks, you kind of slow things down. So the album's, the album's good. I like it. And Razor's Edge even slows it down even more, right? So... Uh, I I fire your guns to me was just an outstanding track on it, so I had to go with that one for me. Yeah, I mean, this was the album to me that like kind of brought them back to a degree. Like, yes. So with that was gonna I was gonna get to that point. Um, this was the make or break album for ACDC's career up to this point. Um, they had you know they they did those three albums with with Robert John Mutt Lang and. Then they decided, you know, we don't want to work with this taskmaster anymore. We don't want to work with this guy who is just basically abusing us into greatness. Jesus, I'm sorry. That's such a bad thing. So, you know, flick it a switch, blow up your video, who made who, um, those, and, and, and um, which we call flying a wall, were all either self-produced or produced by family members or, or former producers so um like blow up your video was produced by vanda and young which is um their uh, malcolm menangus's brother george young and his musical partner harry vanda you know uh fly on the wall was produced um by angus and malcolm uh if i believe flick of the switch was also produced well it was produced by the band but that bottom line right there was just it's produced by malcolm and angus so you can see they've they've taken over control of the of the helm, and then this this ship starts sinking. So they went out of their way and they got a producer. And they, who did they get? They got the biggest producer on the planet at the time. They got Bruce Fairburn, who produced Bon Jovi's um, "Slippery When Wet." Then he comes and he produces um, uh, the the reunion album for Aerosmith, a permanent vacation, and he also produces. I think it comes out the same year. Um, Pump from Aerosmith. So you got the guy who's right now the hottest producer on the planet, and he goes and he does the same thing. He becomes a taskmaster over ACDC, and they they have to pick good songs, 
And that's what they did. They got they got the razor's edge, and they got something that was much better, and then produced so much better than than the last few albums. A hundred percent. You know exactly. And so it, that's where you know that that was the turning point in their career. Oddly enough, so oh, and that was the other thing too. They also had a new drummer because Simon Wright left, I believe, to join Dio at that point, and um, that gave them Chris Slade, who. Man, that dude is is the bomb. He's a great drummer. I mean, if I'm not gonna, if I if I can't have Phil Rudd, I, I'll have Chris Slade because he's just as, he's just the bomb he's, of a he's drummer. A he's a much just better solid. fit than than Simon oh, yeah. Wright was, and I feel bad for him having been fired. <laughs> he you know. still thinks he's in the band. <laughs> I mean, that it's unfortunate because like he he did everything right. It just Phil is the acdc drummer when it comes down to it right so exactly i mean he he's he's been with the band since the beginning and you know you can't you can't fault him for that the only thing that i i really question about not the album itself but the whole career right after the album is that acdc basically disappeared for a few years after this i mean that the, the tour was huge and you know i think that part of it had to do with the fact that the tour was almost like two years long but they don't release another album for five years. Yeah. So you know that in in those days, ACDC had built up enough of a name that they could take time away and then come back and do a comeback album. But it was uh, they came back before that. I believe they came back in '93. Was, was Last Action Hero or '94? It was '94, and. But they didn't release an album, so it was kind of like you know it got everybody excited. But it was it was a song on a soundtrack. Um, what last last action hero was ninety three. Ninety three. So, okay, so so it's three years later. Yeah. They put out one song, so it's not for another two years that you don't hear anything from ACDC again after after Big Gun comes out. Now, for everybody listening, we did not use Big Gun because it's on a soundtrack album. That is not a compilation of ACDC. Although so it's we, my we favorite to... ACDC song on that album. <laughs> is there other ACDC songs on that album? No. <laughs> but it's unfortunate that it fell that way. Now, we could have you know thrown our own technicalities our own way, but we chose not to. Um, so in 1995, the band comes back with Phil Rudd, and they gone with another producer this time rick rubin and they released the song ball breaker i'm excuse me they released the album ball breaker now here's the thing about ball breaker they consciously went out of their way to return to the 1970s acdc that was a lot more blues based and a lot more groovier than the 80s based acdc it kind of worked and kind of didn't work but for me i like the song ball breaker i think that's my favorite song well i know it's my favorite song in the album uh, there's three songs i really enjoy on that album uh which one is uh, hail caesar which is very similar <laughs> to to uh to ball breaker and then there's all excuse me there's also hard as rock which was the first song that was released as a single but Ball Breaker, for me, was hands down the, the my favorite song on the album. So this is another one that I'm not a huge fan of. 
as a as a whole for the album but we actually do have this one in common i think ball breaker is the best song on the album period um it's got the best riff uh i what i like also is is brian's vocals you know he's in the lower register a lot here so he gives it kind of like this coarseness and variation so he, he has two distinct uh, places where he's sitting like he's he's got the low range and then he goes switches over to the high range and i like that like it's just it's it's kind of a cool effect and then you know it's just it's that classic acdc sound you have phil rudd back on drums and he he just like he has that sound that brings it back to where they used to be you're right it's not exactly the same they tried to hit that like old acdc sound but it's somewhere in between because they've got the more modern production with the instrumentation of the the classic lineup and then it's got a nice you know kind of by the book solo from angus it's it's the best song on the album period i agree all right we're getting close to the end we've only got four more albums (laughs) (laughs) uh so this that goes to to um Five, another five-year break, right? So they, they put out Ball Breaker in 95, and then they put out Stiff Upper Lip in 2000. So Razor's Edge, then five years for Ball Breaker, then another five years for Stiff Upper Lip. So, you know, they've gotten to that point in that their career where they don't have to be as as consistent with the releases, right? Um, but I thought this was not a bad release as a whole. I remember back when... You know, they came on um, Saturday Night Live. I want to say that was in the year 2000. Um, and I remember watching it. And I was like, oh, man, this is this is a pretty cool track. And it wasn't long after that I went out and, and bought the album. So, um, and the, I think the song, I don't know if they played more than one. I assume they did. They usually played two songs on the on a, a um, performance on that show back then. Yeah, I think they play stiff upper lip, and then I, I want to say they they sing "You Shook Me," but I don't remember. Okay. Well, I remember stiff upper lip, and so that's kind of what made me go out and get that album, and that's the song that I picked. Um, you know, back then it was exciting to see bands on the on Saturday Night Live. I don't know how I feel about it now. I don't even know how I feel about the show now, but. I think the that bluesy opening, the kind of better production that they had than that they had had in really years, um, it just kind of made for this like perfect opening for that album. And uh, to me, it was one of the strongest songs that they had on it. So I just really enjoyed that track. Yeah, definitely. Um, it was uh, it was a, uh, a different kind of album for ACDC in as far as yes it took another five years um, and it is it was definitely a, a mix between old and new style ACDC which is you know the you're talking about Bon Scott era you're talking about Brian Johnson era and so it was one of those where the, it wasn't completely strong but they did have some really good highlights so that's one of those things where those are the kind of albums where you sit there and go, oh, I really want this album, but it's only got one song I like or two songs I like. This was, wasn't too bad in that regards. It had three for the most part. You know, you're talking about Satellite Blues, Safe in New York City, and Stiff Upper Lip. Those were the three big songs off mm-hmm. of that one. Um, and uh, House of Jazz wasn't too bad, 
but I'm gonna go with Stiff Upper Lip as well, just because it's a, it's a cool song. It's got a cool groove to it, um, and it's 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 a little like almost sleazy to some degree, but it's still it's still a very cool song. So that that's for me a Stiff Upper Lip. All right, all right. So now let's forget about five years. We're gonna go eight years into the future at this point they they didn't release another album for eight years i mean at that point you almost think that the band is dead you know but they're still there they're still appearing every so often um so eight years later they come out with the walmart only release called black ice yes walmart only they made a deal with walmart and the album was released only in walmart stores um and it still went double platinum so that tells you that right there. Um, for that album, I you know, it, it's kind of weird. I was not a big fan of the album. I don't know why, but I just never really got into the album. And I went back and listened to it when we were doing the Greatest Hits episodes and, and, and uh, the Worst of First. And it has better songs on it than I thought it did, but it still didn't really grab me as a whole. Um you know, War Machine was a good song. Big Jack's a good song. Rock and Roll Train, the big single off of that album, was is a really good song. Um, you know, another single that they put out was a song called Money Made. You know, so they 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 did a lot of promotion on this album. But I'm gonna sit there and say, for me, my favorite song on the album is gonna be War Machine. It's a deeper track for 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 some people. But it was it was a song that just to me very similar to um, some of the tracks on Ball Breaker, and so I that's that's what I went with. Okay, um, I do like War Machine. I think I, I probably like Black Ice a bit more than you do. I remember when it came out, and uh, there was a little bit of controversy. It was only at Walmart, like you said. But I, you know, it wasn't as big of a deal back then. I guess it was just. You know, this is in the the era of of iTunes music, right? So, a lot of people were, oh my God, I have to go out and buy a CD. But I I kind of liked that approach. You know, I'm I'm still fond of physical media, even though we can stream so many things. It's just it's nice to have a copy. You know. Well, at that time, at that time, ACDC did not have anything on mm-hmm. streaming. They had they hadn't made their deal with iTunes. They hadn't made their deal with Spotify. I don't think Spotify was even in yeah. existence at they that were, time. They were still holding the line at that point. Well, they didn't want to release. They didn't want people to um, take individual tracks. It was either the whole album mm-hmm. or nothing. And so, you know, they really had to be persuaded. And eventually, they made their deal with iTunes. Um, and eventually, obviously, that opened up to Spotify as well. But yeah, they did not release anything to iTunes at the yes. time. Yes. Um, so my pick is is different than yours. Uh, I picked Anything Goes, and so this was interesting to me because, like, who would have thought that ACDC channeling their inner Bruce Springsteen would make for a really cool song? I mean, this the, there are some really distinct similarities to to Bruce Springsteen here. And I, it's to me that's kind of surprising. One that it, you know, it's they did that, and two that uh, it's my favorite song on the album. Um, I really like again when they push their sound outside of the normal boundaries. I mean, ACDC 
is one of those bands that like they never really changed it like pretty much ever um aside from a few things that were forced on them like unfortunately there's, there's not much you can do about a band member passing away you know that that change is going to happen but it's not like they they went okay now that bond's gone we're going to change to grunge music you know <laughs> they they just did they no. did their thing all these years um, but every once in a while they pit, they have one song on an album that i go wow that's a little different and something about that stuck out to to me so like i just like when they kind of push the boundaries even if it's just an inch or two fair enough fair enough all right so we move up what do you got all right, so uh, 2014, so six years later, they released Rock or Bust. Um, this is another album that I'm not a big fan of. It's harder for me to find something specific that I just really love here. Uh, but the one I do really like is Baptism by Fire. Um, so one thing about ACDC that we've talked about a few times here is that Phil Rudd just has such a, a distinct sound and he's he's so integral to like the balance the band sounding like they do and it it really like this is a good example like it's not just the pace it's how hard he hits the drums um you know i i just love how that defines acdc sound a lot of times um i love how the the riff kind of like dances up and down again and then the the solo that you know just keeps going like the, he plays the solo then the vocal line comes back in but the solo continues and that's kind of a unique thing for for acdc usually you have the the solo end and then the vocal line comes back and it's just like it's formulaic but this was a little bit different again and i just really like the track there was a lot of turmoil going on with acdc at this time so between malcolm retiring and just lending his songs and um, their nephew, Stevie Young, joining the band as a full-time rhythm guitar player. Um, they also had some issues with Phil Rudd again. And so in the end, Phil uh, basically was out of the band uh, by the time the album was released. Mm -hmm. And so uh, promotional pictures did not include Phil. Um, the album does not include Phil at all in terms of pictures. I believe they just said that he played drums on it and that was it. Um, and they brought Chris Slade back, um, which is cool for Chris, ex except the fact that he's living somewhere still thinking he's the drummer for ACDC. <laughs> and that's a joke. That's a joke that you and I uh, say to each other because there was an interview with Chris Slade, and they were getting ready to do this uh, the album that eventually came out. Um, after this one power up and he he's like yeah i'm ready to play uh with the band and so i'm just you know waiting for here to hear from them to let me know when to show up and all of a sudden he's not in the band the the, the, so the like, quote specifically was uh as far as i know i'm still the drummer for acdc <laughs> yeah so so we make we make the joke a lot because uh, it's just you know i'm still waiting for that call yeah. All right, so um, Rocker Bust, I mean, they almost went bust at this point uh, between uh, Phil leaving, Malcolm Young out of the band, Stevie's in, and that's family, So, and, and Stevie was an, a, a perfect replacement. Um, then they go on tour for this album, and Brian Johnson can't finish the tour. 
he literally, um, I, you know, it's, uh, it, he didn't quit and they didn't fire him, but they said adios to him. I mean, it was weird. They, they bid Brian Johnson farewell. Like he was, it was his last Friday at the office. Thank you for your contributions. Have a nice day. It wasn't, it was the weirdest way to say goodbye to a band member that I had ever seen, especially for someone with his iconic status. It was very odd. And, you know, there was the question, like, is he still in the band or not? We knew that he had lost his hearing to, to some extent, and we were, you know, unsure of what the status was. But usually when somebody that's been in the band for you know, 40 God. years. <laughs> yeah. Like just that. about, um, leaves, you get like a send off or something. You get more than a thank you for your contribution post on a freaking Facebook page. You get more than the, the WWE send off, right? Yeah. Well, it was, it was very odd time. And then the tour stopped. They literally postponed the whole tour. But ACDC said that they were going to be back and they were going to come back um, and finish and and uh, basically honor all the dates. So a lot of people were like, "Well, is he going to? Is Brian going to come back at the end of the tour, or I mean, uh, after a year or two and, and honor the dates and whatever?" But with the with the send off that they gave him, everyone thought he was out of the band. Well, lo and behold, um, they hold auditions for a singer, and they were holding. Uh, auditions for new singers literally trying out to be the singer of ACDC and one guy stood up and was chosen stand up and be counted (laughs) it was Axl Rose from Guns N' Roses and that was I thought an odd choice and lots of people have said that they thought it was great. They saw the shows. It was wonderful. He did a great job. He sounds just like all the old singers, all wrapped up into one. And he's very Dave Evans. You you <laughs> want to know something? I, you know, I'm going to be honest. You know, I love ACDC. I don't know what in the world people were listening to to think that, that Axl Rose was a, a good fit as far as him sounding so good. I don't, I, I mean, he did a good job of singing. I'm not saying that. I just didn't think that it was that all that great. Um, but that's my opinion. And I'm very of the minority on that. I mean, so many people think that Axel did such a great job. I mean, he did a great job filling in, but I just don't, I, I just didn't see where it was so outstanding. Like, wow, you know, he could possibly be this, the, the new singer for ACDC and make a new album with them. I didn't see that. I just did not. But anyway, Rocker Bust, almost busted. Uh, for me, the, my favorite song on that album is Rocker Bust. Um, I, I just like the the, the the slow groove of the song. Uh, I, You know, it was between that and Play Ball. And Play Ball, as much as it's more upbeat and a little bit more playful, um, I just, I think Rocker Bust to me had a, had a better groove. And that's why I picked that song. All right. All right, so finally, we're at the last ACDC album that has been released so far, and that is Power Up, um, or some people think it's still PWR Up, whatever you want to call it, <laughs> but it's Power Up. Um, it was released in 2020. I got to tell you, 
It was definitely better than the last few albums. I, I think that that album has a really good groove to it overall. Um, there's a lot of similarities from one song to the next, but the one song for me that stands out above the rest is Demon Fire. I, as soon as I heard it, the second I heard that song, I said, this is my favorite track in the album. The song grooves. The song's got a great video. Um, I mean, I don't think they've boogied that fast and that that cool in a long time. Um, so we started off agreeing with things, and I guess we're going to end off agreeing with things. Uh, Demon Fire, also my favorite song on the album. Um, it just feels so classically ACDC, but it also introduces a lot of new things. Um, a little bit different vocal approach, and it the production is just really crisp. Now, what I like also is that, um, what you know they never really specifically focused on um what's the, what's the best way to put it so a lot of times there's a, a guitar harmony or there's a, a, a rhythm and a lead guitar part in the songs but they not very often did they just bring out that one guitar sound and demon fire does that where it's very focused on that guitar riff from angus and i really like that here because it's very clean it's very crisp it's very focused and it just kind of sets it apart from some of the other songs on the album too i just i like that it it it's not overly complicated and not that really any acdc song is per se but it's it's just it knows what it is, it stays in its lane, but it also pushes the boundaries a little bit, again, with doing something different. So, I just really like this track. Yeah, I like it too. I mean, it's a very good, uh, for lack of a better term, very good comeback album. I mean, it was six years since the last one, um, a lot of turmoil within the band. And the funny thing is, is that this was the same band that recorded uh rock or bust i mean they stevie young was back cliff williams came out of retirement mm-hmm. uh, phil rudd was welcomed back to the band so it was quite uh, brian johnson was welcomed back to the band so it was quite a, uh, an interesting development that happened uh, a couple years prior to the album coming out and then you know there was a lot of rumors and then power up came out one thing to note between power up rocker bust and black ice all three albums were produced by brendan o'brien and he's a he's a guitar player a musician who is an excellent producer and he has found a niche with acdc uh, to have been with them basically for 12 years uh, as their producer so he's, he's done a really good job he's 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 found um, a niche with them, they have found comfortability with him. So I think that's an, uh, a, a, another reason why this album really kind of did really well because there was that comfortability. Oh, yeah. And th- they also, you know, had to, to get over the loss of Malcolm, too. Yes. So there's, yeah. th- you know, there was issues there. It's, it, you know, it's... It was different because Bond died suddenly, right? But Malcolm, it was a longer process, and he was losing his, his, uh, you know, memory, etc. 
and that was hard to watch. Like even as just a fan, I can't imagine what it's like as a brother. I I mean I guess I can because I watched it with my grandfather, but um, you know those those two were together pretty much every day for most of their lives. Yeah, yeah so, tell me about it. Yeah. Yep. So that's our. ACDC favorites. Um, so hopefully you guys enjoyed the fact that we just babbled on and on about ACDC and albums and favorite songs. Uh, we're going to try and do this again with another couple of bands that have a really big discography so that we can have a, a nice, enjoyable conversation. Um, but that's going to bring us now to our big four. And the big four this time, it was a little bit difficult to choose a big four because we had already done a couple of other ACDC um, themed episodes so we didn't have any acdc songs to pick from we uh we didn't have any big four albums to pick from so what we did is we went a little bit outside the box while still maintaining the acdc connection and we chose the big four heavy metal slash hard rock albums of 1975 which is honoring the year that acdc released their first album so um you went first with the list, so I'm going to go ahead and go first on this. And for me, this was a this was a difficult to put in order because I'm like, oh, I like that album. Oh, I like that album. But this album's cool, you know. So I kind of went with the way I feel about the albums in general, you know. Even though one might be bigger than the other one. I just, it was all for personal taste, as it always is with us. So, number four for me was Led Zeppelin's Physical Graffiti. Double album, comes out, obviously, in 1975. It's got a ton of great songs on it. I mean, it, obviously, a double album is going to have a lot of music, but there was a lot, a lot of good songs on this album, obviously highlighted by Cashmere. But you're talking about Custard Pie, The Rover, um shit uh what's the other one that's very similar to that i can't remember oh well uh, i'm losing my mind <laughs> that was number four number three black sabbath sabotage um i mean being led you know led by hole in the sky the album contains symptom of the universe which is my favorite black sabbath song so you know sabbath's sixth album was was pretty was a pretty big deal in 1975 Number two for me is an album that basically, if it doesn't happen, this this band no longer exists, and that's Kiss Alive. It's not. It obviously it's not a new release as far as you know, there's no new music on it. Um, they had released that earlier in the year with Dress to Kill, but this album is the album that defined who Kiss would be. Someone was able to capture the magic of their live show onto tape. They made an album, a lot of controversy about how much of it is real and not real. Bottom line is, this put Kiss on the map for good. Number My number two uh, album for 75. But number one is, is definitely far and above better than all the rest for me, and that would be Aerosmith's Toys in the Attic. That album is absolutely hand down. Aerosmith's best album for me at least and I think it's got some of the best tracks that they've ever done in their in their careers uh you're talking about Walk This Way Sweet Emotion Big Ten Inch Record which is a cover song um but you know Toys in the Attic itself great great album so there you have it that's my big four albums for uh, heavy metal albums 
1975. So, like, I just wanted to mention this um, because I don't think it really matters that, you know, how live Kiss Alive is, per se, because it, it captures that, that feeling, though. And it was a huge album. Like, you know, it it's debatable, I guess. You go, oh, well, it, you know, it's not, not truly live. Well, there's a lot of live albums that are not truly live. And I think it's more important that it captures the sound than it be absolutely perfect. You know, you want it to be close. You want it to be a live album. But if there's issues, like, they still need to fix them. So it's it doesn't sound like shit, you know. Like, well, you know, and I agree with you because who wants to take home a record that sounds like like who wants to pay full price for a record that sounds like a a, a bootleg? Exactly. You know, I mean, there are obviously look, Aerosmith released an album called Live Bootleg. It is, uh, you know, uh, it comes from a, a tape. I get it. You know, some bands do that. It's okay. It's, I, but when you're trying to capture something. A live sound, you know, and there's you have Kiss who doesn't necessarily they're not perfect, um, and they they make mistakes from time to time, you know, throughout the show. You want something to sound good, you want it to sound, and you don't want it to be missing pockets of of sound or music or or vocals or anything like that. So they just recorded what they needed to record. I to me, I mean. All I care about is the experience. Am I listening to a live album? Yes. That's all, that's all that matters to me, and I agree with you. Yeah, I mean, it's... Sure, it's debatable, but it's also up to your preference. And honestly, it's a, it's a really cool performance. I mean, uh, Unleashed in the East had re-recorded vocals, right? So, mm-hmm. it, it's all semantics. Is if you enjoy it, you enjoy it. Um, I mean, I've heard some, I've heard some live albums that are truly live, you know, and it's just like, yeah, you shouldn't have released that one. <laughs> <laughs> True. All right, so um, we did have a little bit of crossover. Um, my number four, though, is is different. Um, it's in trance by Scorpions. Um, you know, to me, like I always forget that that's their third album because those first two albums. They're they're a tough listen. <laughs> but In Trance is really where they hit their stride. And it's a great album. Isn't that when Michael joined the band? Um, No, that was with Uli John Roth. Um, Francis Buchholz was still in the band. Rudolf Schenker. But it was just the two guitarists at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Michael was actually in it before. Right, because didn't he play on Lonesome Crow a little bit? Yeah, he he was on Lonesome Crow. He left the band after that, and then he rejoined. I want to say, oof, a few albums. He rejoined. Was it? uh, I think he rejoined for Love Drive. Uh, yes. Or yes, for Love Drive, because that was yeah. Um, I think he he joined during the the tour for Taken by Force, which was when Uli John Roth left. But r- regardless, back to Entrance. Um, if you if you go back and listen to that album, it, it is pretty phenomenal. Nightlight is a great song. Life's Like a River, the title track Entrance, 
Um, there, there was something about the the chemistry of the band at this point, and Uli John Roth was putting off out some great stuff. I, I think he wrote Dark Lady, um, Evening Wind. I mean, it's it's one of those albums that I think oftentimes gets overlooked because you know, Love Drive, Animal Magnetism, Blackout, Love It for Sting, and then you know. Uh, uh, pretty much up until Crazy World, those are that's what a lot of people know as Scorpions. You know that that era of you know, kind of becoming more metal rather than than a rock band or even a bluesy rock band. Um, but some of that early stuff, is, is, like from In Trance on, um, Virgin Killer, Taken by Force, and then obviously Love Drive. Those are some really good albums too. So you know it's. It's one of those that I think gets overlooked, but uh, go back and listen to that one for sure. Um, my number three, I want to say, was your number four, if I'm remembering. Uh, Physical Graffiti from Led Zeppelin. Um, like you said, double album, but it's got like so many great songs for a double album. It's, it's amazing. Because you would think like a lot of bands struggle to put six or seven good songs on one album. They got double, and almost the whole thing is just amazing. Custard Pie, Trampled Underfoot, Cashmere, I Love the Wonton Song, um, Houses of the Holy. I think I mentioned the Wonton Song earlier, and I think what I was trying to mention was Houses of the Holy and Trampled Underfoot, those two songs Yeah, as well. just fantastic album. Uh, my number two is your number one, Aerosmith, Toys in the Attic. Uh, the title track, Toys in the Attic, Walk This Way, Big 10-inch record and Sweet Emotion. Sweet Emotion's one of my favorite, if not my favorite, Aerosmith songs. Um, what a great album. And my number one, I can't remember where you placed it, but Sabotage. Uh, I'm a big fan of those first six Black Sabbath albums, and then, of course, the first two uh, Dio Sabbath albums. Um, I don't know if anybody's a fan of the seventh and eighth <laughs> uh sabbath <laughs> albums all that much but uh yeah, especially technical ecstasy um but man sabotage was really good hole in the sky symptom of the universe am i going insane um symptom of the universe is like one of the best sabbath songs to be honest um but hole in the sky is so good too uh, that was that was just a killer album and I stand by, you know, those first six Black Sabbath albums are near perfect. They are. They are pretty pretty damn close to that. Um, they, they, I like your list. Um, obviously, <laughs> three of the same albums. We had a lot of crossover today. It was bizarre. Yeah, yeah that was a lot <laughs> of crossover. But you know what? It, for the first time doing this, and like like Chris said earlier in the episode, we, we don't speak about this stuff ahead of time. This That's the funny thing. Like Whenever you guys hear this, we definitely do not ever talk to each other about what's going to be on our list, whether it's greatest hits, head-to-head, uh, you know this you know uh, worst of first or or this favorites that we did today it's just we we talk about other things but we never talk about what the episode is going to uh, going to contain we just talk about the the framework and that's it so that's pretty amazing that we get we get so much right but then again you're talking about one of our favorite bands and you're also talking about a very limited amount of hard rock heavy metal albums that came out in 1975 so you know it's it, 
it, it, we're only going to go so far outside the box. <laughs> yeah, I mean, ACDC, I think we're more likely to have crossover than, say, maybe Judas Priest. So, right. And exactly, who knows? Yeah. And maybe when we do that Skid Row, uh, you know, one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know about that one. <laughs> All right. Well, that's our big four heavy metal hard rock albums of 1975. And that's the end of this week's show. Please remember to click the like or subscribe button, download the show on your favorite podcast platform, and listen to us anytime that you want. And don't forget you can interact with us by commenting on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, or you can send us a DM as well. If you listen to us on YouTube, be sure to leave us a comment, or you can send us an email to debatingmetal at gmail.com. So remember to tune in next week as we spark up another exciting debate. On behalf of Kenneth and myself, stay safe, and always turn it up to 11. See ya. See ya.